0: road to success is uh, laden with the bricks of failure yeah. so you have to fail a ton in order to succeed so start early so you can fail a lot early on mm-hmm. and that way you can learn a lot more because um
1: welcome to the young wild financially free podcast an audio experience where we don't just talk about it we live it is provided by Stone Oak Property Management. They're a professional, full-service, locally-owned property management company managing rentals throughout the greater Austin area. They handle every need for every property they manage, leasing, maintenance, accounting, and more. They manage every property with integrity and intentionality. Time is always of the essence with Stone Oak Property Management. They prioritize minimizing vacancy time and are quick to handle all maintenance orders as well as the needs of property owners and tenants. Please reach out to Stone Oak at StoneOakMGMT.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Young Wild Financial Free Podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts. Hey guys, Matt Tyfke here. Uh, and today we're back in the studio with another uh, new guest. Uh, we're really excited to have him on the show. He is very financially savvy and loves investing in real estate, Mr. Ryan Breedwell.
0: What's up guys, how you doing?
1: Good man, how about Good. you doing? I'm
0: doing great man. Texas is one of my favorite states. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Oh boy. Yeah, I love it too.
0: Yeah, uh, my, my dad has a spot out in... Uh, Barton Springs. Okay. So, um, been coming out since like 2015, came out here for my college graduations. People are like, why do not you go to Vegas or something like that. Sure. I came out here, uh, really, really, really love it, and it's grown on me ever since. So, I normally come out uh, three or four times a year.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Where did you go to college?
0: I went to Sonoma State University. Okay. So, it's this little, uh, not private, state school in... if you were going through the Napa Valley mm-hmm. you would go up what's 121 or highway 12 if you ask anybody in California mm-hmm. and about 35 minutes north of Napa or Sonoma there's a town called Rohner Park and Sonoma State is in Rohnert Park a lot of people think it's in Sonoma which that would be really cool yeah it's in Roert Park which is not as cool but that's <laughs> right. great. still fun so that's yeah, why I went yeah. to school and I got my uh, degree in in um, Business management, marketing, and related services. Oh, cool! So that's that's what I studied in school.
1: Um, Did you grow up in California?
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Another town. About an. I didn't go too far away from home. It was like far enough to be independent, um, and I could stay away from home, but close enough to go see mom and dad right. when I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, little that town called to, Similar to us too. Yeah. It, it was. I. I don't know. Not that I cared <laughs> that my that I was close. It sure. was. I don't know if it works the same in um, in Texas, but in California, you get. Two universities that are automatically like, hey, as long as you meet certain criteria, uh-huh. you're you're in because yeah. a lot of the um, state schools are pretty impacted for okay. the um, for business especially, which is what I was going for. Right. Yeah. So I. I was having trouble getting into some other schools. I had a 3.7 GPA, so pretty good GPA. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I don't want to deal with that. And they had a good baseball team, and I played uh, baseball.
1: Wow. So, nice. Matt played baseball, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah I was what a position?
0: Pitcher. So pitcher I was right like, p- and I was a PO, so not athletic. <laughs> Everybody hated me. But um, I could throw the heck out of the out Nice, of the
2: man. I played catcher. Yeah, oh, maybe dude. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, baby? <laughs> yeah, come on.
0: Um, That's awesome. Yeah. But it's, uh, the joke is the POs, pitcher, pitchers only, are like the most hated and unathletic people on the team but they also are some of the like most clutch oh uh, yeah. people because they i was a i was a setup relief and closer so that was my uh my gig That's i loved awesome. it a lot yeah did you want to play baseball in college I did. I honestly didn't take it as serious as I should have. I had a decent amount of natural talent and I was tall. Sure. Um, So that got me through eighth grade for basketball. And then I was like, whoa, did my (laughs) way too good. (laughs) Yeah. And I suck. Yeah. Uh, I used to just get rebounds and then, like, one hand throw it all the way down the court (laughs) (laughs) to my buddy. Yeah. Um, That was, like, my move. Yeah. Uh, That didn't really work in in high school. Um, But I did want to play in college, but I, I didn't ever. Put the effort into it. I was more so there because yeah. it was an easy way to chill with my friends. Right. So, yeah, honestly, that's why I was there. That's funny. Yeah. yeah but I, it got me all the way to college.
1: There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So going into college, why did you want to get a degree in business? Why the marketing...
0: I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, so I figured a broad subject would be business. And kind of all my counselors were like, "Hey, you don't have to declare if you don't want." But like the most broad kind of hits a lot of things up front. So if you ever wanted to switch, Mm -hmm. would be mark. Excuse me, not marketing, business. Business, yeah. Um, and eventually I wanted to go into marketing, so my degree kind of did a hybrid business management slash marketing thing. Sure. Um, but. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and honestly, if you asked me my freshman year of uh, college if I was going to be a financial advisor, I would said, nah, I don't know if I want to do dad's business. Mm-hmm. I've grown up around it my whole life, so it's kind of like if you grow up and you have a family restaurant or something like that, you may not want to go work in a kitchen or something. Sure,
1: yeah. Um, I was going to ask, did your parents have any influence on you choosing business?
0: No. My parents are pretty uh, cool. Um, I w- they were very strict. Uh-huh. Um they expected certain criteria to be met but as long as that was met they left me alone let me make my own decisions that's awesome um, not the you know touch the stove and figure out it's hot but there. they they were like hey don't do that and if you do something that we tell you not to do we're not going to support you right so um, and you know we had a good relationships so when my parents weren't happy with me that 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 was a punishment uh, yeah. in, in in its own sense. Yeah,
1: that's awesome.
0: So I obviously, you know, I've had some wooden spoons broke over my ass. Don't get Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I was that kid too. But you know, as far as when I got older, my mom was like, "You weren't really that bad of a kid." Mm-hmm. Like when you did stuff, we acted like it was bad. Yeah. But it really wasn't that bad. Right. Yeah. Um, so and look, uh, look, you turned out great. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Who's watching? Yeah, uh, But yeah, no, I, I think it turned out pretty good. My, I'm the oldest. My sister, um, <clears throat> few, few years younger than me, she's married. She lives with her husband in Japan. She's a nurse. Wow. Um, that's how I met my wife. And my youngest brother got a full ride to University of San Francisco. He's going to be a freshman this fall. Cool. And he may, he has an agent. He may be talking about getting drafted this year as well. Just kind of dipping his toe. Wow. Not accepting. Or, and I'm... For baseball? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's... He's legit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he sticks. He's a right fielder. Uh-huh. He's batting over 400 cumulative at a high level public, yeah, school program in California. So that's awesome. Um, proud older brother for sure. Right,
1: right yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, so going into college, um, you didn't know what you wanted to do kind of freshman year. You yeah. Just picked it kind of generally. Yep. Um, and when did your focus
0: narrow? I had a teacher in intro accounting that was a first-off investor into Apple. And so he actually was an unpaid professor because he was balling out of control. (laughs) Yeah. He was. He drove a Ferrari to school every day. Wow. He owned, like, a consulting firm locally that he, like, was super cool. And I I remember him like it was yesterday. He always wore Jerry Garcia ties. (laughs) And I don't know the type of Nikes, but he... I gotta be careful how I say this. Um... (laughs) They were like the Nikes that you would see in, like, Friday, like Hispanic yes. gangsters were wearing. Okay, yeah. He always wore those, and he had every single style that you could ever imagine, and they <laughs> always matched his tie. Oh, that's awesome. And he was super cool. Just
1: swag. Just yeah, tripping and yeah. swag.
0: And his thing was like, he's like, I submit a curriculum to the school so that they'll let me teach. Yeah. But we have no finals. We'll have some tests. Uh But really, your grades going to be determined on your involvement and your effort. Because I know none of you are going to be like, most of you are not going to be accountants. Yeah. And this is an accountancy class. But I want to get you interested in how to understand money. Right. And the way he taught people and educated people Uh and the impact it made on us, because I was one of those people. I was like, dude, I don't want to take this class. And at the end of that class, he was one of my favorite teachers. Yeah. It was his style of teaching how he could take super complicated information. And at that time, you know, it's a balance sheet, you know, debt liabilities nowadays. Like, you know,
1: mm-hmm. do that like
0: this. Right. But back then that was Chinese to me. So he had a way and a function of making it easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And so that got me excited. And I was like, what kind of field can I, can I get into where I'm... Um, I'm on this pedestal or I'm, I'm, I'm the source of information and whatever I say kind of goes to, sure. to a certain level. Right. Um, but how can I also be on that and make an impact? Mm-hmm. And so my dad started talking to me, I started getting more involved with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, financial advising, I think that's what I want to do. And so the, towards the end of 2014, I decided that that's what I wanted uh, to do, and I started you know studying to get my licenses, mm-hmm. uh, my life and health license yeah. and my uh, Series 65 uh, which is uniform investment advisor okay. um, license and those are the licenses I currently carry. Um, since then it's been awesome. you know you, you get your training wheels and you learn what, you, what you're going to do. Right. But um, I love it because like my professor. Mm. I feel that like one of my strengths is being able to take complicated um, financial concepts, mm-hmm. um, investing in real estate, mm-hmm. traditional investments, because a lot of people don't even know about traditional investments. Right. Um, life insurance, health insurance, taxes mm-hmm. to a certain degree. I'm not a CPA. I don't give tax advice, but kind of how to be nifty with it. Sure. And putting it into easy digestible pieces that normal individuals in many walks of life mm-hmm. can understand. Yeah. Because I always tell people, my doctor does not. You know, shoulder check me because I don't know as much as he does when I walk into his office. Mm-hmm. He's a professional that knows shoulder much more check. about, yeah. yeah. He's not like, yo, dude, you don't know any of this stuff. You're <laughs> lucky to have me around. Yeah. It's not like that. Right? <laughs> he, he knows something. He's a professional in an area that I'm not. Uh-huh. And he provides a service to me that I believe, you know, he finds value in because he makes an impact on people's lives. Yeah. Um, and everybody has that walk right. um, from the lower. You know capacity jobs mentally sometimes for people. I don't know how to build a house, mm-hmm. I don't know how to work with you know, you or work with your mind or your body, and I can't use my body in that way. I don't have the dexterity to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so recognizing that, and i was something I really picked up from that professor, and then also from growing up around my dad, my dad's a super cool dude, yeah. Um, That's he, cool. me and him, you know, super scary sometimes. We get in a little argument because sure. I'm as I'm as Oldest son. Yeah. Right, and yeah. we work First in a business part. together. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, my mom's like, I have no idea how you guys could be at each other's throats with knives and then three minutes later be laughing with beers. Yeah. It's like, because it's business... And personal, and he's my dad here. Yeah, and he's my boss and an executive at the company here that I'm eventually going to fully take over. Sure. Yeah. So it's my baby.
1: Yeah. And when did your dad start the company?
0: In the early 90s, and we were just Breedwell and Associates. We switched in 2000 and about four to Capital Planning Group.
1: And what was the reason behind
0: that? Just the DBA. We always, uh, most firms use what's called a fictitious business license. They're doing business as a different name okay. so that there's some, um, a non, um, kind of some veil to their actual business name. It's just what most people do.
1: Mm-hmm. Not
0: that you can't find it. I mean... My social is online, so
1: right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's
0: pretty open door when you get to the federal uh, level, when you're registered with the SEC like mm-hmm. I am. Gotcha. Um, there's kind of two ways you go. Like when you're starting out, you're a state-registered advisor. Mm-hmm. That's when you have under $110 million of assets under management. You'll be on the state's website. But once you get to the $110 million mark, the SEC is like, all right, you need to have federal oversight directly mm-hmm. onto your firm, and you're going to have to start hitting some um, <clears throat> some benchmarks.
1: Sure, right.
0: Um, your fees go up Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, gotcha. and your oversight goes up because you have to have an attorney on staff, uh, which we do. You have to have a legal team on staff, which we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to submit a lot more forms, 13Fs, quarterly filings, monthly filings. Any mm-hmm. single time we get a complaint, we have to file for it, which, again, we don't have, but um, it, it it's, it's another realm of... Um, a playing field when you get to be an institutional uh, investment advisor, sure. and we trade in the same field as Charles Schwab, Vanguard, these big names, and so it's like you get to the top of your fishbowl and you're like,
1: Ugh. yeah,
0: and then you jump out and it's like Boop, no, into right. this huge ocean, and you're like, holy crap, you know, we're a billion dollars, and here's nine hundred billion, and they're throwing they're throwing 300, 400 million blocks of securities around like it's nothing. Yeah, wow. so um, it's yeah. it's. It's pretty cool, uh, but it also comes with a high level of responsibility. But that's that's sure. what I like. I, I honestly love being the authority in my uh, space, mm-hmm. and I love helping people. and and um, get you know my job allows me uh, to do that right with a a lot of efficacy Mm. yeah for
2: sure i got a couple questions for you so i've seen people that are kind of the financial advisor role yeah that are just getting started you obviously teamed up with an existing business and i've like looked at these guys and they're like hustling so hard Mm -hmm. like the ones here they're driving to houston dallas and i'm like man this is a tough business it is when you jumped in uh were you doing that and like how do you view that you know, well, I'm here today, right? obviously. Yeah. You
0: guys, we we connected, and I was like, shoot, I'll jump on a plane and come see you guys. Yeah. Um, so I, each individual has their own way to pick their hustle. But yeah, yeah. there's a lot of us. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of brokers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of financial advisors out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So being able to set yourself apart is extremely hard. And I will be honest, it takes three to five years to get it to where you can even...
2: Ooh, yeah. kick, kick it back like a little bit. Seems hard work.
0: Yeah, because yeah, yeah, th- think of it this way. Um, most advisors, will use a round number, are going to make, if they're managing assets and they have full cus- uh, custody of their client's funds, they're going to make yeah. 1% of that pretty much most of the time. Okay. And they're going to make that a year and that's going to get billed monthly or quarterly but we'll go monthly here. So imagine how many, a- how much assets you have to obtain right. and then service those assets to get to a point where you can live,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's hard. Yeah. A million dollars is is uh, ten thousand dollars a year, guys.
1: Right. Yeah, right, yeah, I know. So
0: when you have ten million dollars, you're making a hundred grand, mm-hmm. but getting ten million dollars in assets lot, yeah. can take somebody eight or nine years. Right. Sure, yeah. So you're writing this slow and bills are still being need to pay, you yep. have continuing education, the licensing is hard. You need to look a certain way, act a certain way, okay. hang in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Most of those areas we require some dapperness, mm-hmm. um, some cash. Mm-hmm. You gotta brush shoulders. Spending money is a way to kind of separate yourself in our world. Okay. Um, so, you it it's cutthroat, man. Yeah. And a lot of people get their business bought, yeah. and it's just again, the way of, of the world. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's extremely hard.
2: Yeah, them. no, I respect it, man. I've just seen it. I'm like, man, these guys are working hard.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah.
2: And then I'm curious about the involvement as far as, like, this is what the client wants versus this is what we, we recommend. Mm-hmm. Like, for you, you know, growing their assets, are you calling them saying, hey, I think you should trade this, buy this, sell this, yeah, or are do. you kind of following their lead? How's the We path? tell
0: people right up front, it's like, hey, if you give me your money, that's the end of your involvement. Okay. Once you give me your money, you're not allowed to tell me what to do with it. So you can go trade it,
2: buy it. Yeah, something. yeah.
0: so Sweet. I'll give you an example of what something that separates us. We do most of the time what's called tactical asset management. And if we have a bunch of other advisors and they're like, fuck this guy, he doesn't, you know, <laughs> passive asset management or die, uh-huh. fuck you. there's two ways to do asset management (coughs) in qualified accounts. In non-qualified accounts, you're going to do passive management because if I'm buying and selling in your brokerage account, you're going to get nailed in taxes. So we're not going to do that. But we're going to go into qualified accounts and and talk about in that space. We... Instead of just buying and holding a growth fund that has a prospectus that says I have to be 70% large cap growth, 10 to 15% mid cap growth, and a minimum of 5% to 3% cap, I'm I'm constrained by this prospectus because that's what this growth mutual fund is saying. And then I'm an investment advisor, but I'm paying... 76 basis points to this mutual fund because their investment advisors are actually trading. So I'm really not doing anything for you. Mm -hmm. I'm the used car salesman selling you the car and saying, I built it. Sure. Not a fan of that, but that's a broker. And, um, that, is passive management mm-hmm. and we do passive management with individual stock portfolios and ETFs. We're not huge fans of mutual funds, they're super high fees. Okay, and um, you don't actually own the stock in mutual funds, you own a share of the mutual fund. ETFs, right. you own a share of the stock with, with another group of investors. I'm digressing
2: a little bit, no, this but is good. yeah, this is
0: good. Tactical asset management you simply say, Ryan, this is my we take a, the same up front. Hey, we know if you own this investment and it did this, what would you do? How do you feel about this? Have mm-hmm. you ever held these type? And it gives us a score and that score correlates to your investment tolerance. And let's say you're a moderate growth or growth perspective and you say, hey, you know, I want aggressive growth. Great, sign here, you want to say aggressive growth. We attach a number mm-hmm. to your portfolio and quantify the amount of risk in a percentage style with a number that we're taking because most people get sold performance. Mm-hmm. They get sold, I'm gonna make you 10% a year right. every single year. An annualized return is a tricky thing to understand, anyway, because you can have a negative net balance with a positive annualized return.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if you had, uh, it's the two-dollar notion. If you have two dollars, you go up 50 percent, you got three. Right. You go down 50 percent, you got a dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. You go up 30 percent, I believe you have like a dollar ninety something. That's a 10 percent annualized rate of return. Mm-hmm but you have less money than you started with. Right. So annualized return is a tricky thing. And most investors, and you know, we're all guilty of this, when you had your 401k get set up, you just went to the since inception annualized return and picked the one with the highest mm-hmm. uh, rate of return. So that's not necessarily how financial advising works. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we say, how about we pick the amount of risk you're willing to take? Because how you make the most money long term as, an, as an, an investor in the stock market or the bond market or alternative investments is by being invested and staying invested. Mm-hmm. I have a awesome statistic. We had zero people pull out of the market last week zero okay. none of my investors called me nobody said sell so. everybody got a report on sunday like they do they get weekly update reports that all yeah. said we're down six seven eight nine ten twelve percent sorry santos um <laughs> and he actually got the worst loss of all my clients and i'm with him here right, right um but it's picking the risk amount of risk you're willing to take. Yeah. So if we picked a lot of our clients are in our growth portfolio, that is a 16% what's called drawdown. Huh. Drawdown management is this type of tactical management we do. We don't try to beat the market on earnings or, or, or gains. Mm-hmm. We try to beat the market on losses. So if you lose less money long-term right. and maintain those on-paper gains because they're unrealized on paper, yep. we will have more money long-term. Mm-hmm. So our, our hypothetical... If we show our back-tested returns through 2008, we made 38 basis points net of fees. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like, hey guys, yeah. I made a third of a percent. Mm-hmm. But when my neighbor lost 50, and then the following year we make over a 49 percent return. Right. I have a lot more money than you. Sure. Because you lost 50, so you need about 101 to be to break even. Right. Yeah. So that is what we do different. When our investors invest with us, they know how much risk they're taking. Mm. Most of the time when I get with people, they don't know their fees, what they're invested in, why they're invested in it, yeah. what it's doing for them, and they don't know what their drawdown is. Uh-huh. So I say, well, great. We have software that can show subprime crisis, the 9-11 uh, attacks when we invaded Kuwait. We got all this fun stuff, the, bubble, the dot-com bust. Uh-huh. And all of these, you know, you're between a 54 and a 20% drawdown. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of upfront market volatility. Um, we can lower your standard deviation, your risk that you're taking between your maximum return and your maximum loss. Mm-hmm. Steady that out, increase your yield, and we can do it for about 1% to 1.5% lower in fees than you're currently paying. And you'd be paying us to actually do something. Right. Because in a passive asset management, guys, I would argue that you could just ask an advisor what he's about to buy for you, go into Vanguard.com, Schwab, any brokerage and buy it yourself, avoid the, the sales load, which is three and a quarter to 5.75%, yeah. and then not pay an advisor Right, because uh, you don't need an advisor at that point. You can just buy and hold those securities.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But as if you do in a buy and hold strategy, you're like on a roller coaster and you're signed up for whatever that roller coaster does when you get on a roller coaster. Yeah. When you get on a roller coaster, no matter where you sit, Mm -hmm. if it goes up, you're gonna go go up. up. But you're gonna feel the full downwards, all the shakes, all the rattles. Mm -hmm. Versus in tactical asset management, we almost have a way to adjust tracks um, as we see fit. So we have an algorithm, or a bunch of guys, obviously it's named after a woman, Cara. Mm -hmm. Cyclical asset reallocation algorithm. It is looking constantly at the market and reading reports, looking at, economic trends and it tells us what it thinks we should do based on the current scene we are in the market mm-hmm. as crazy as it sounds we are still in a moderately bullish scene
1: mm-hmm.
0: so when i go check the returns on the portfolio tonight they'll be really good because we did not reallocate we didn't do a damn thing did,
2: were you did you have people that were buying more was that yeah, part of yeah
0: yeah yeah well no because here's another thing we also don't try to do that is also a misconception where people advise that we keep cash on the sideline because then they're telling you that when the market's down, they know when the bottom is Mm
1: -hmm. bullshit. (laughs) No,
0: you don't. Yeah. (laughs) Because I woke up this morning and it could have gone either way. And I, nobody knows until it opens. And it went like this. It went, you know, kind of ripped off. So, um, no, we normally stay about ninety eight percent fully invested at all times okay we try to we try to maintain a one to two percent cash position um, cash sucks and you're missing out on dividends on that when the money's not invested mm-hmm. and we maintain at least even in our most aggressive growth portfolio at least a two percent dividend yield so it always covers your fees so nice. your dividend always is more than your fee base mm-hmm. always 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 because our our um we don't have we have very low minimums, one thousand dollars, one thousand wow that's all you have to do to work with us, yeah, very low threshold to get in, and that allows people to kind of be comfortable working with us as well sure we yeah. even will let people if they agree to a a yearly deposit we'll let them start at a hundred dollars a month
1: Wow,
0: so we yeah, really. Very cool keep the doors open to people sure. and we don't discriminate and we you're in the same stuff that the people with multi 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 millions are mm-hmm. even when you have one two three four hundred dollars right so we just don't that's that's stupid mm-hmm. fisher investments has made that like you know if you have a half a million dollars and you want to be out of an annuity call me mm-hmm. um but setting like standards that high, that just means that you don't care about somebody that has three hundred thousand. That's that's a fallacy mm. because that that three hundred thousand might represent somebody's uh, life savings. Right. Yeah, right. And so I don't. That's we don't, cool. We don't. So do if that. someone
2: has like uh, you know ten thousand. Someone has fifty thousand. Same. You're whenever you're buying and selling, you're doing the exact same thing for yeah, both. Yeah, they're all the whole, going. The whole in, company's doing the same thing. Yeah, because cool. when we invest it, if
0: you're in the target drawdown 10, 10% managed risk, or 16% managed risk, or 5% managed risk. You're with everybody else that is in that risk. Mm-hmm. And then um, we buy and sell those portfolios at the exact same time. Right. So you just own less quantity of the shares we're holding in those portfolios, but you right. don't necessarily have less um, coverage. Your fees are higher, because it costs us more money to trade your portfolio when we do, Right. and the technology and the algorithm... The law of large numbers says that the larger batch of data we have, the more accurate we accurately we can predict something. Mm-hmm. So when we have a small batch of of cash, it's mm-hmm. harder for us to trade and apply the algorithm to work properly. Mm. Okay. Um. So that's that should be common sense. Everybody should know, and everybody bills this way. If you have a lower account balance, you're going to pay more in fees. Right. Um. But we also are an all-in fee base. So when I say hey, you're paying me one point seven percent. That's all you're paying. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm talking to some uh, clients um, and they're with uh, Raymond James. And they're like, hey, you're paying 1.38%. That is what you're paying your advisor and the mutual fund. Mm-hmm. But they're billing you 2.75. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's their form ADV, mm-hmm. which is what they filed in December of 2019 that says that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know the fees they're paying. Right. They're under this impression they're paying low fees. And I show them like, if you would have paid this fee... For just the last five years, this is where your account balance would have been. Yeah. right? Eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand grand higher. Oh, but that boy. money went that right. way. Yeah. And for no reason other than you just didn't know, and that's the way things have been for some time. Yeah. But with the advent of the internet now and the SEC is digital, somebody just goes online, they can go to SEC's website, up in Ryan Breedwell. Mm-hmm. Boom. My address, where I live, phone number, last four of my social, everywhere I've worked since two thousand and fourteen. Mm. Everything about me. Yeah. So that that's slowly uh, and surely coming to a halt. With the advent of Robin Hood yeah, and all right. this sort other of stuff, that's just so you guys know, that's why all these big box broker dealers went to no commissions and no trades. They were losing tons of clients. Sure,
1: yeah. And the
0: biggest reason was because, well, Hood doesn't charge us any fees on you know, trades. Right. They're not scalping us. They're just scalping you on the back end. Mm-hmm. And so we prefer that. Mm. So this this old way of doing business passing the fee on to the client not being transparent up front about fee, people don't people are our generation us're we too smart for that uh-huh. so that's going by the wayside right gotcha yeah yeah um, so I guess uh, how much
1: of, I know you're talking a lot about you know your uh, you know particular business but how much of this ha- did you learn in college and how much have you gained mm. since you know yeah. being out being in the professional world yeah
0: Honestly, um, and this is kind of funny, really not much in college. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, college me too. taught me was how to be in a, an adult, um, how to have a social life yeah. mixed with my professional uh, world, which at that point was getting good grades and right. passing classes, right. doing my job in the real world. Yeah. Um, and look like an upstanding citizen, because if you knew all the stuff I was doing, trust me, <laughs> I was not. Sure, um, right. and you know, stay same maybe same today too, right. uh, depending right. on who you are. Right. But it's it's learning how to have two avenues uh-huh. and go through. And I will tell you to all the listeners on the podcast. Um, most businesses don't care what your degree is unless you're a doctor or a lawyer or you're going in for a specific concentration. All right. They care that you committed to something, right. you stuck with it, mm-hmm. and you com- competed it with high marks mm-hmm. passing. Right. Um, I did not get the highest grades. I did not get cum laude. My sister did. My brother probably will. Mm-hmm. That's not me, but you know statistically C and D students in college are the most successful uh, in the right. business world because they are hustlers right. they didn't they're not pushing pencils they're out putting boots on the ground trying to figure out what they can do to make an impact in, in their area right yeah. um, and I'm not saying I was a C or d student more like a C or B student right but um, that that's kind of you know I think that old school way of thinking is going by the wayside and I think my kids we're gonna look at you know. How are they going to go to college? Sure. Do they need to?
1: That was my next can, question.
0: Can they go get an AA, mm-hmm. do high school again in two years, just a little more uh, stringent because uh-huh. that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. I still get ripped off and pay you know ninety five dollars a unit.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but now I get jammed up with a hundred grand of student loans, and right. then do what I did and go when you graduate. Still have to go get a professional licensing and relearn a whole area that you're not taught about. Because why would you teach that specific subject if not everybody's going to be an insurance agent or an investment advisor or a health insurance? Why would you do that? Right. It's a waste of time and money. Mm-hmm um so there's a lot of holes in that and there's a lot of ways to approach that question should we have a whole another podcast about that yeah but, um i talked about it on one of my segments on uh, the show that i do with uh, my buddy matt and uh, what's the name of that show it's so called millionaire <laughs> yeah millionaire mindcast awesome um it's with matt aitchison uh he's a real estate investor you can get him at um on spotify at all the platforms that you guys are on the same platforms awesome um, but one of the things I was talking about is how the the uh, college system is a racket mm-hmm. nowadays. How there's how how I'm so regulated on putting a thousand dollars into an IRA, and how a nineteen year old kid can go click a button on sally may or any of these other websites mm-hmm. and because of financial aid office says, oh yeah they're going to school here's their schedule right. they can take out 150 grand of loans and not know the repercussions because they didn't get the schooling in high school to understand how credit cards work what aprs are that if your interest rate is that that's not your annual percentage rate because mm-hmm. it compounds mm-hmm. yeah. um so I, it's it all starts in high school and we don't need to be learning about supply side or Keynesian economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not learn about how a credit card works? How to run a checkbook? How to right. do a balance sheet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is a car loan? How does an amortization schedule work? Mm-hmm. What does amortization mean? How, why does that matter?
1: Right. Yeah. Where are
0: points on my mortgage? Mm-hmm. Um, what is an FHA? What is conventional uh, loan? Right. Why do I need to do? What is leveraging somebody else's cash? When is it a good option? When is the? When is it cost too much money for money? Mm-hmm. So those are all the things we we. Don't look at early on enough, right? And we really should, yeah. And it and seems I, so
2: obvious, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It, well, to us here at this table, yeah, and I think even higher up it is, but I also think at some level, and this you know, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but I think <laughs> not having people in the know too much is somewhat of an agenda, yeah. Um, so because once you it's not hard to get in the know it just costs a little bit of money so right. once you're in the know it's like wow why don't people know this and then we're just not taught mm-hmm. we're taught about things that are simply not important mm-hmm. because that's what they said 50 years ago and it hasn't been updated yeah. yeah So I think
1: education at the high
0: school level might be making a
1: little bit of a shift and I hope so there's two schools in Austin now that are starting to do a four year real estate program yeah that's in awesome in school where they graduate right. and they have their license and they've learned that's everything awesome. about that Um, I know that for me, I didn't learn any of that in school growing up, but my mom was really great about teaching me stuff about, you know, how to, how to balance a checkbook Mm -hmm. and, you know, credit cards and all that good stuff. Um, with your dad being in the business that he's in, is that stuff that you learned at home
0: too? It is. Um, we were taught. So like when I was growing up, um, I was not allowed, like we were allowed to go to the grocery store with mom and dad on Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, my dad was doing well. So we got really whatever we needed and wanted. But we weren't allowed to get something if it wasn't on sale. Okay. No matter if it was 99 cents off or yeah. one cent off. Wow. If it was not on sale, Yeah. we were not allowed to ask for it. So being frugal very early on. That's, that's was cool. Was I just an, love that. That's yeah. what's yeah. baked into us. So my dad would, would, first thing, is it on sale? Yeah, it's on sale. Great. is it buy one, get one? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, no, not buy one, get one, not a multiple, not, okay, let's go see, let's go, and then I remember learning at like eight or nine years old to look at the cost per ounce. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And I said, let's see what the sale cost per ounce is. Okay, It's 19.3 and now we're at, we didn't get a full cent off. So nope, can't (laughs) get it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh damn and it was always <laughs> pop parts, those motherfuckers <laughs> they were always like it's not a on. full penny <laughs> yeah they were like 97% it was like come on Kellogg or whoever posts <laughs> right? whoever fucking makes it yeah I'm trying to get my brown cinnamon sugar on this weekend and you're fucking my yeah. dad yeah really so that nice was <laughs> that was kind of my qualm when I was growing that was really the stuff I had to worry about so as you could tell I had a decent uh, upbringing <laughs> yeah yeah um, but that's but awesome that, that was that you the rule that, yeah. yeah exactly and until I was 18 and I shit you not twenty dollars on every Friday. Wow. And not a cent more. Yeah. Dad did not cola that bad boy. Yeah. There was no inflation adjustment. (laughs) It was twenty dollars and you got twenty bucks. And if you had money left over next week, hey, cool. Here's another twenty bucks. Right. But like I had to figure out like how to do stuff and that was like when you get to high school, like twenty bucks gets you like maybe half of a night. I like, hey, I'm gonna go bowling, sure, I'm gonna drink water from the water fountain and and sneak in with my own shoes. Right. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. twenty bucks is barely gonna get me on for one and a half games. But it taught me to save. My dad yes. wanted me to. He's like, hey, people that make a lot less than us uh-huh. are giving their kids a hundred or two hundred. Yeah. Not you. Right. You're getting twenty bucks. And if you know, come and ask me if you want to do something, and we'll we'll apply. We'll uh,
2: negotiate. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's even and, worth
0: it, it. and it kind of depended on how's your grades. How are you doing in sports at that time? Right. Uh, and, and sports, we had to play sports. My job is until I was a senior, I could get Bs, but no Bs until you're a senior in high school. Wow. Um, and you have to play sports. Yeah. And so, and and learning how to lose is a very important concept that I think all kids have to learn. And unfortunately, we have all these keyboard warriors nowadays. Kids are a bunch of pussies because they hide behind their phone all the. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, because they hide behind their phone all the time. Right. And they yeah. have no face. Like, dude, when we had beef with somebody back in the day, I was like, "Where's their bike so I can fuck up their tire?" <laughs> like, yeah. You can't even do that anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Um, oh, yeah.
0: yeah, the world's changing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, it, and, and not for the better, in no. my opinion. I think that the the problem is that people are are soft. Yeah. Um, they're scared of confrontation. And because they're scared of confrontation, we don't get adversity baked into people's lives. And therefore, we get people with styrofoam spines. Right. So they get one whiplash in life, and they're broke. And now they need to go on. Uh, they need all these meds because that's what society tells them. They're depressed. Sure. And, they need, and so it's just this whirlwind. And social media is, you know, uh, compounding that. And,
1: you right. Know,
0: uh, just... Stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. But there's yeah. a, you know, yeah, I have amazing. a lot of opinion about a lot of things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like good
1: it. to have opinions. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting with technology. Like, there's a balance of like how much good it's providing, how much good it's doing, but then also, you know, how much it's, you know, yeah. hurting
0: people too. Yeah. yeah, you can drown yourself by drinking too much water, guys.
1: That's true. So
0: That's very with true. with a, with, a, with good comes some bad, and with bad comes some good. Yeah, yeah. Um, normally the good and bad is the lesson learned, but right. Um. Yeah,
1: I yeah. love that.
0: It's cool. Um, so when you uh,
1: started working for your dad, mm-hmm. um, is that I guess after you graduated? I'm assuming not before. Um,
0: no, right no. after I graduated, I worked at a. Uh, this is, uh, gotta be honest, right? Oh boy. I worked at a car dealership. Okay oh, cool. um,
1: So the used car salesman thing was
0: yeah, the truth. yeah. So trust me, I know the pressures from management to like lie, and I was like, I am not saying that. Yeah. Yet. Like, no, 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 just tell them this. I remember one time they, like, told me to, like, tell them there was a brain surgeon's car. I was like, why? Oh, why? Yeah, that's the, so weird. Why do we need to, like, sugar it up even more? Right. They're, they're buying the car. It's a good car, co- yeah. Just give them a good deal. They don't need to know it's a brain surgeon's or not know, just say it's a brain surgeon's car so they feel better about right. it. Right. Just, like, whatever. Yeah. So, sure enough, they, they told them, and then the people found out it wasn't. They yelled at me. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of so, that. So, yeah. They,
2: the idea is that someone smart had this, and so it's smart. For, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I've never is. heard somebody <laughs> doing stupid. that. It's It's stupid. Yeah. It's what
0: happens when people do business and they think that they know how to do business. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. you uh, you learned some lessons
1: of what not to do at that job.
0: Yes, and okay. I also learned that I would never be able to work for anybody because I told my managers all the time, "Fuck you and no, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not these people. You can't." I no uh-huh. did,
2: did you do that job to learn did you feel like that was a challenge I, I feel like yeah and the only reason i stuck around was because i was like the best salesman because
0: mm-hmm. they like they were like why don't you bring people to your desk i was like because nobody wants to do that yeah. yeah
2: but i'm but i guess what i'm asking because it seems like your mindset was always to to do something big and i can't see you know knowing the little I do about you that you'd want to get a sell cars and be great at it. I so did, it looks I, like you were like maybe challenging yourself to learn how to sell.
0: So or I wanna ride that I wanna take that and run and that would just be a lie. So I'll tell you the truth. I really graduated and I was like, I'm gonna try to make something for myself. Yeah. And then I worked my ass off and made fifty five grand and was like
2: fuck. But why'd you pick why'd you pick car sales? It's it's interesting. Um I wanted to sharpen my teeth
0: in sales. I know that's one of the hardest. Yeah, that's what I was getting um, right? Easiest, lowest barrier to entry. Uh-huh. That was one of the highest paying commissions. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't, it's embarrassing to say that that's what I was thinking about, but I needed to pay bills back then. No, yeah. Um, and it, it's you're selling a car. Yeah. And so what I figured out was there was two types of car buyers and nine out of 10 went a really good deal and 1 out of 10 want a really good experience and you're only going to make money 10% of the time. Mm. The other time you're going to make a mini which is uh, the minimum commission paid to a salesperson by law which is normally $150 okay. Okay. and um, then yeah and then That's you're get, yeah no you normally make 30 to 50% over gross which is whatever so if the Business bought a car for ten grand, and you sold it for eleven thousand. You'd make thirty percent of one thousand dollars. Oh man! Yeah. So very low, and people normally want the bet. And there's only two or three grand on cars nowadays. People think there's ten, fifteen, twenty thousand because they see the GMC commercials. Yeah. But they're selling at a loss, and then writing it off and paying <coughs> taxes. So. Wow. Um, it was learning that I'm not going to waste my time with these people, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get them in a car. I'm going to sell a lot of units. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of bonuses from the big company because I sold multiple units, and yeah. ultimately that's what they care about. They want a lot of their cars on the road because, mm-hmm. to people's minds, that's the that's the measure of success with car companies. The what I learned there was this is the here we go. Mm-hmm. What did we learn in college, and what did I bring? Sure. The one thing that I took from college that I remembered was from that accounting teacher, and he's like, just remember one thing. Mm-hmm turnover statistically always beats profit. So if you can sell or push a lot of your item to a consumer at a lower price and get them to purchase it, Mm -hmm. it will have a longer, long term, the impact on it will be more Mm -hmm. by selling less of that item for a profit and more for a quantity focus because then you're also going to be able to eventually buy from your suppliers because... Um, economies of scale mm, right. would dictate that you're going to buy more material. Yep. So actually, eventually, your margins should come in line with this person. So you're selling for a less price, mm-hmm. but your margins are similar, and now you have word-of-mouth marketing working for you, which that's honest cool. well, to well, God yeah. is the best way. Cause like, <coughs> let's imagine, you know, you guys didn't know me mm-hmm. and you guys were looking for an advisor. If a friend recommended me, I would have a much higher chance of doing business with you yeah. than if you, then just meeting you on the street. Mm-hmm. So word of mouth marketing is super powerful. And that's kind of one of the aspects that's baked into that. Um, that's, that's kind of like, my opinion on that thing. That's not really like a, a, a published theory. Sure, yeah. But that's how I, I think to understand it and how I apply it in my mind, and it makes a lot of sense when I do it that way. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: yeah you I was going to ask you about that, that professor that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like... Either he was outside of the system because he had a lot of money so he could kind of do things the way he wanted to. He
0: specifically said that.
2: Okay. So I was going to ask if the college was like that in general because there, yeah. there are some colleges that are... Sonoma you know, State like
0: was clothing optional. I remember that people were bringing animals in the class. So wow. it was kind of... Very liberal. Minded, cl-
2: yeah. Clothing of optional?
0: Yeah. It was, it was on par with like Berkeley as wow. far as that. I
2: never even... I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. We
0: actually... And it's a fully wet campus. There's bars on campus. Wow. They allowed you to drink in between classes. You could come into class... Drunk.
1: That's cool.
0: Like I
2: remember, we always just <laughs> that know. is cool. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, hey, this is the real world. Do whatever the yeah. fuck you want. Exactly. Right? If you want to get drunk and come to class? No, do it. Yeah. no.
0: Uh, they were like, we unless you're a freshman, we do not take attendance. I remember one of my teachers being like, I am a teacher, not a babysitter, yeah. and I'm getting paid whether you're here or not, so I don't care. Nice. And then he just went and taught class. That's cool. That's
2: not. Um, I don't feel like you get that in Texas. I never heard of it. No.
0: Yeah. No. So like it, it it's in California how the rule states is once the teacher is cleared, mm-hmm. they have more authority than the dean of the school during their class time. It's almost like being a renter. Mm-hmm. Once you rent the property on paper, you have more rights to that property during your rent time, unless you're breaking the law, mm-hmm. uh, than the homeowner does mm-hmm. because that's how it
2: works. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so they could literally do anything they wanted in that class. Wow. And I remember in what my freshman year, there was this, pretty good looking girl sitting next to me mm-hmm. sorry wifey and <laughs> she just started having a boa crawl out of her head oh, and no. this one kid in class like jumped out and was like freaking was like she has a snake in her hair oh my gosh get her out of class he's like hey my hands are tied yeah i cannot <laughs> she do, can do she anything wants. <clears throat> so you may leave class uh-huh. but i am not and cannot tell her tell to her. leave class yeah. wow man yeah what an experience yeah. Oh, and p- people, people, here, <laughs> people flexed up on that clothing optional.
1: Oh yeah,
0: I bet. I promise. Unfortunately, I promise. <laughs> That's so funny. Normally, the worst people. Sure. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. The people that shit. Wow. Yeah, I did yeah. not know that was a thing. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, lots of
0: socks. Lots of socks and dongs. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was kind of like Game of Thrones mm-hmm. season one and two, just on <laughs> Sonoma State's campus. A lot of like phallic wieners just going Yikes. everywhere.
1: Yikes.
2: Wow. (laughs) Wow. Different worlds, man. Yeah, man. Oh, trust
0: me. California is not for the faint of heart. Right. Yeah.
2: really is a different world. Yeah. We we get a lot of people moving here, obviously, from California. I know. uh, Complaining about things and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a a gun owner in California. That's kind of hard.
0: I'm a Republican in California. That's really hard. I bet. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things. that There's a 13.3% state tax, which... I don't know where the fuck the money's going. Yeah. Every time I drive down the road, I feel like I'm freaking going on a like. <laughs>
2: take
0: yeah. Off. Like, and they say it's going to the roads. Yeah. We have
2: terrible schools.
0: It is. We're bankrupt it as is a state. It is freaking beautiful though. Every time yeah. I go out
2: there, I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah this is amazing. I, nice. Yeah.
0: And I mean, and I live in like the biggest joke city, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, wait, that what, the capital is like L.A. or San Francisco, right? No. <laughs> it's Sacramento. Yeah, it's yeah. Sacramento. We don't have much, but it, it's us, right? Yeah, uh, it's but really it's fun. a cool spot. It's an hour away from San Francisco, hour and twenty from San Francisco, hour yeah. and twenty from Napa. Hour and 20 from Tahoe. It's, in my opinion, the best place to live in California. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Buy yourself. Right, yeah. Um, Take it with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah. Um, so jump forward to today. Um, what, uh, I guess, are you currently working on, or what is like the, the goal for the... For the yeah, future?
0: most of the stuff I'm working on right now is I'm really big on advising real estate investors because real estate has become a hot topic. Right. Um, I am an investment advisor that advises outside of my realm of getting paid. I really like using uh, life insurance to buy real estate, as I mentioned before the show. That is like a topic close to heart because once it's really well understood, it's a powerful tool to be used. And um, education, as far as educating people on uh, fee structures mm. on their investments, because ultimately, guys, that that can be the difference of a two million to a one million dollar portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so, knowing what you're paying your advisor and and like like very clear, like, can I see your uh, brochure part two, A and B? Can I see your form ADV where it says your fees? Like, Uh not what I'm paying you, like, what am I paying total? Uh So our our contracts say total account fees.
2: Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you, not on a specific company, but in theory, right? So I'm a huge real estate guy and it's fascinating the differences between real estate and stocks because... Mm -hmm. People can't panic with real estate, in a sense, because it, the time frame, right? It doesn't. You can't just like look at the value of your real estate, like with unless what's you going do a on. short
0: sale, obviously.
2: But you want to just bomb your credit and take some cash. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, but That's like, not gonna happen. but in theory, with what happened in the last couple of weeks with stocks, yeah. My opinion: a huge reason why they're going down is because people are panicky. Right? Yeah, over
0: hands when we call it soft,
2: and you can't do that in real estate.
0: No, right?
2: but so I've, I've in the stock world, I picked a, a company that I love. And I said, I want to, I'm literally thinking about this. That's the one
0: me and you talked about, right? Yeah.
2: I'm thinking about this company for 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking about what you're saying as far as. a value pick. Is that what you call it? Yeah. And so your company is all about buying and selling at the right opportune times, Mm -hmm. right? My thing was my mind, real estate, what I love about this, I want it to happen in stocks. Is that a bad view to be like, this is the company I'm with and I'm picking them for 10 years? right? No, not at all. Not at all. But what I w- would say to do in that aspect, and I think
0: when we, you talked briefly about it, I was like, hey, I'm not here to bash it. I'm not here to say this is a great buy, and, but analysts are also saying that it's super... It's on sale right now. Mm. It's also it's down a lot, yeah. but it's on it's it's shouldn't be, because mm. um, long term thinkers would argue that this has a good trajectory moving forward, right. and that's what I, I said. Hey, look at this analyst. Yeah. I sent you like the yeah, little thing off my screen. It's like they say that it's it's a good it's actually a good buy if you're trying to get in. I don't. I personally am not a, not into that myself. But yeah. The thing you would do is not invest any more than you'd be willing to see a zero on. Right. Because that's point. the
2: potential. Right. That's that's what I was going to say is that's my biggest fear with stocks is because I've seen, you know, in, in my research, I'm not an expert by any means, but I've I've looked into these things and read filings and all this stuff. And you see these guys that start these companies that just get a crazy amount of shares. Right. And then they slowly just start selling these shares off and it's like, was that even a real company? And that's like my fear of, of that happening in stocks because in real estate, it's really, really hard to just go lose all your money, you know, unless you're, you know, getting super over leveraged and flipping houses. But if you have a long term mindset, mm-hmm. you don't just buy something that's not real and it disappears. Well, and that is- can happen in yeah, the stock. Well, let's yeah, let's think of it this way let's talk about why
0: I like real estate, but also why. I will say this upfront, and it's facts. Long term, the number one producer of income and wealth since 1802 based on total returns is equities. But number two is real estate, guys. Mm-hmm. Real real estate, not investment funds, real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something to understand and there's nuances for both, like on a balance sheet, no matter how much cash real estate is making for you, it falls on the liability side because it has the potential to cost you a shitload of money. Yeah. If you get underneath on a stock investment, you have a negative on paper return. If you get underneath on the value of your home based on your mortgage, your mortgage payment goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have renters at that time, you have costs associated yep. with that. You have to rehab the facility to keep it up. Conversely speaking, you can do Burr mm-hmm. method where you buy, renovate, cash out refi, tax free, and go buy more. Right. So you compound your real estate portfolio. Conversely speaking, the income from real estate is non-earned, which is preferentially taxed, and there's tax benefits you get from earning, uh, owning real estate, the mortgages on them, the depreciation, so on and so forth. So, on the other side of the street, equities. The one thing that's nice about equities is you inherently always have renters, because dividends are almost always paid. They're not guaranteed, just like rent is not guaranteed, but it's almost always paid. Mm-hmm. And the rent goes up almost every year, and it can go up in aggressive amounts. Mm-hmm. So up front, if we have a $500,000 house, and it takes us, we're going to do a 20% down here. Okay. And it takes us $100,000 to get in. And I have $100,000 in a dividend growth Portfolio and we're gonna say I make three percent on this hundred grand mm-hmm. and you're making your one and a half percent on the home value, mm-hmm. right? Or like let's just say you're making two grand a month. That's okay. probably what that house will be. You're obviously up front gonna make more money on that home purchase because you're leveraging cash. You can do that in stocks, we can do margins, but we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. And your cash flow is gonna be higher up front. But I would argue it's gonna be slower paced as you can increase that rent cost. There's going to be property taxes associated with that, yep. whereas up here the costs associated are pretty low, probably one percent, mm-hmm. which is definitely the costs associated here are more like ten to fifteen percent. Yeah. Over time, mine is going to grow in value just like yours is, and I'm always going to get my three percent under this assumption, and you're always going to have renters.
1: Right.
0: Eventually, you'll pay that home off. It'll have its value. capital gains on both sides to be to be seen let's act like the tax rules out of out of the picture but i'll never have to have more than my hundred thousand and eventually my hundred thousand will far surpass your five hundred thousand and i'll still be getting three percent off it And some years my three percent will get a 20 to 30 percent cost of living adjustment Mm -hmm. meaning i'll raise rent by 30 percent like i would have in 2019. Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna make 30 percent more off the same asset class yeah. and it costs me no more I'm, my fixed fee of one percent never goes away yeah. my renters never go away and even when the market's down mm-hmm. i get paid less mm-hmm. but i'm still getting a fixed three yeah. percent and most of the time when the market's down the dividend will go up mm-hmm. right To try to pay people more. I,
2: I hear what you're saying yeah but i mean I mean, t- everyone has different strategies, right? And Correct. It's like, yeah, different. it's like the Burr method mm-hmm. throws that all all out of whack, right? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't because
0: because then I could say, okay, well, it, we're 100 percent on real estate with the Burr method. Well, if I couple a traditional investment, uh, a qualified retirement plan like a solo 401k, where I can loan out of it 50k, so that's my refinance. Um, and I'm going to have to pay myself back just like I'm going to have to pay myself back probably like $1.25 to $1.5 on the burn on method. So much cheaper to take the money out. Right. Both tax-free. I could couple that with an overfunded life insurance policy and I'd blow the doors off the burn method with less cash. Much, much less. Cash. And I can quantify that yeah. with, with debt. And I love both. Yeah, yeah. I'd I, I, I have to see it. I but see. the thing that I wouldn't get if I only did this side... Mm-hmm. Is I would not get the tax benefits that I would be reaping from this side. Mm. So when you run them both together, mm. you are really hitting the game hard from both sides. There you go. That's a better. Why it's not one or the other. No, it's right? a no, no. mix. But the, that's the thing. You would make more money, but you would pay more in taxes. Right. You'd make less money, but you'd make you'd make you pay less in taxes. Well, why don't we put them together right. so that we can make more money and pay less in taxes? Because right. that's what that symbiosis should should bring to us. Right. So that's why I'm rare in the fact that most advisors will only focus on this side because this is the side that pays me. Mm-mm. I get paid nothing to say this. Right. Not a thing.
2: Well, it's yeah. the long... I feel like it goes back to what your college professor said, and it's like, get out there. And it's mm-hmm. a long-term thinking. Yep. You add value and you help all these other people. Things yep. Things just tend to work out. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So talk about the life insurance into real estate. Yeah. So normally... What we'll do with our clients that are real estate investors
0: is we'll heavily overfund uh, a life policy, not a whole life insurance policy. We normally use like a a universal life policy, and they're both permanent, but whole life, you normally have to get locked into a payment schedule of 20 years till you're 65 or till you're 100 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, The loan provisions on them are also not very preferential. All money that comes out of life insurance, generally speaking, as long as it's not a modified endowment contract, you break some rules, is tax free because it comes out in the mechanism of a loan. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, loans you don't get 1099 for it because you're paying interest to somebody who's getting taxed on that for income and that's where the IRS gets their money from. Yeah. So there's some companies that will actually do what's called a net zero cost loan. Well, they'll actually charge you a loan rate but credit you on the account that holds the debt the same rate. So the loan cost washes to a zero. So you take a loan out that you never have to pay back. And so what you end up doing is being able to take earnings out of a non-qualified account with no taxes and no repercussion as you see fit. And there's nothing else that you can do that in without having to pay a balance back down, without having to reset a mortgage. The other thing is when you take money out of a life insurance policy, there's two values um, that happens. There's what's called a net surrender cash value and an account value. The net surrender cash value will go down, meaning if you close the policy out, the the you would get less money because that money is out of the policy. But the account value won't change, mm-hmm. and that's because the insurance company, and they'll contractually guarantee this, is going to credit that money, even though it's out of the policy. Mm-hmm. Like it is still in the policy. So if you get a 10, 12, 13% credit to your policy, while that 100, 200 grand is out purchasing real estate, Mm. not only did you just pick up an asset class that you are that's completely outside of your insurance policy, you took a tax free distribution, and that money is getting credited at 13, 14% like it's still in there, while it's getting you a tax break and a cash flow asset. Mm. Conversely, you can take a risky or a participating or variable loan. And risk a rate generally between four and six percent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then if you make a positive return above that spread, uh, if, for example, if we made ten percent and the loan cost is six, the the spread cost is six, so we would get four net, right. they'd give you an additional credit on top of your index credit for oh, that. Wow. So that is the uniqueness about that. There's no income there's no income phase out rules like there are on Roth IRAs. There's no age 59 and a half restrictions. Okay. And you can fund those policies. We'll generally have a client put like 50 grand or 100 grand in over five years or 10 years. Uh-huh. And then the policy, you shut it off and then you use that to purchase your real estate. And what you were mentioning earlier being over leveraged, I mm. get that a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, you're loaning from yourself. So you eventually would use this as your mechanism to take Mm. all of your cash out. Mm. You buy your, you do Burr method, you Mm. buy your real estate. When you refinance the cash, you get back out you put it back into your policy. Mm -hmm. Even though it's been gone, it's been getting credited like it was Mm -hmm. in your policy. And then you put it back in, it resets the loan mechanism and then you take another loan back out. Mm. And that's how you kind of do it. It's called infinite banking concept. Um, And uh, there's a very famous i think it was neil nash he just passed away i forget his name specifically but he kind of coined that yeah. and back in the day was using whole life insurance policies because they didn't have universal life now those policies are more expensive than universal life and there's companies that have designed the policies to be used as a cash value accumulation tool, they're car strategic accumulators or stuff like that and they have loan provisions that would lead you to understand they're meant to be used for a retirement planning, uh, life insurance, retirement plans is the, is the category going or LERPs. Okay. Um, Interesting. so I, and I, you
2: guys offer that at your company? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We do
0: quite a bit of it. Uh, I would, I would even argue we do some of the most, uh, for a private firm in the nation. I know we're one of the top ranked at most of the companies we work with. Wow. So we do quite a bit of that. Nice. Um, and we're licensed in all 50 States to do so. And it, it, It's not a place for all of your money, but Mm -hmm. it's a place that if when used properly can be leveraged to increase your real estate portfolio, which can increase your passive income, which takes the the stress on you having to to use your time to generate income. So it just gives that time freedom. And really, that's what everybody wants in their life. Right.
1: Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's awesome. Um, Well, we like to... uh, We're getting to a little bit long on this podcast we've been talking we've been chatting chatting all day I know we might have to do a part two um so but what we like to do when we close out Mm -hmm. is um advice for young entrepreneurs real estate investors Mm -hmm. um
2: somebody just getting started yeah yeah yeah.
0: um don't be afraid that's the first thing uh always remember the growth zone is uncomfortable so if you're uncomfortable and you're going to do something and you've done your due diligence and you're working with um upstanding individuals don't be afraid um Take that first leap and don't be afraid to fail. Uh, I beat this dead horse all the time, but the uh, road to success is uh, laden with the bricks of failure. Yeah. So you have to fail a ton in order to succeed. So start early so you can fail a lot early on. Mm-hmm. And that way you can learn a lot more because um, honestly, you know, if, looking back, I'm only 28 uh, this year. Uh, I wish I would have done what I'm doing now five, ten years earlier and been more serious about it because where I could see myself today would be um, insane. Although I wouldn't be here, so you know, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, for
0: sure. But just don't be afraid and and take those first steps. Start investing in yourself. You know, make sure you pay yourself first. Make sure that you're getting your um, all your ducks in a row. Learn how to leverage. Learn. Uh, don't rack yourself up in credit card debt. And really, if you, if you look at the trajectory to all successful people, they spend less of their time making money and their, their money spends more of its time making money for them. Right. So that's what you really want to focus on.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Um, Thanks. For our listeners, how can they find out more about you?
0: Yeah, you can go ahead and, um, a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me there at, at rbreedwell, B as in boy, R-E-E-D-W-E-L-L. Okay. They can email me at ryanbreedwell at capital, capital spelled with an O, planninggroup.com. Okay. Um, or you can uh, shoot me a text on my uh, cell 707-372-2207 Always uh, open for any of that and uh, any 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 questions you guys have. It's you know no no cost no obligation. Just shoot me a text or, cool. or something. Cool. And be happy to connect. Well,
1: awesome. man. Yeah, I'll put out. all your information in the show notes uh, awesome. for this podcast. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah. Really Good you. you guys. Yeah, Good yeah. Stuff. Thank you so much. All right, to the listeners. Signing off.